Well, God is good all the time. God is good. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come and study your word. Father, for the many blessings that you give to us and, Father, the importance of everything that's within your word and, and especially, Father, the parables that, that Jesus shared. We pray, Father, your blessings as we, as we listen to this, as we, as we absorb this today, as we put it to practice. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, uh, what's up, NSCC family? Good to see everybody uh, again uh, this week. To those uh, online as well, welcome. Glad to, to have you here with us. Today we're in week three of a 16-week series of messages that I'm calling The Great Storyteller. And uh, the big idea kind of behind this is that, that good content or really compelling information that we, that we learn uh, may change our minds, but there's no guarantee that it will change the way that we live our lives. And Jesus knew this. Jesus, he read, uh, or just read about how Jesus interacted with people. He interacted with people in the Gospels anytime he could perceive that, that somebody was, was hard of heart or maybe they were struggling in a, in a certain way, uh, in a certain area, uh, they weren't maybe ready to receive. And it was that he had to say or, or teach something to them. And, and instead of escalating the conversation and, and getting uh, combative or you know, arguing and doing a lot of different things, Jesus would sort of just kind of redirect he would redirect, and, and he would back up, and he would ask questions, and he would tell stories, because a story is the language of the heart, as we've been learning. And just because we know something doesn't mean that, that we will actually apply it to our lives and change, right? It, it's got to get into our heart in some way, and so Jesus would, would kind of tell a story to kind of enter into the door if you will, to get into the door or back into the door of our hearts. He was brilliant at it. He, he was a, a great, great storyteller. And so these stories that Jesus tells, they are, they're found in the Gospels and they're called parables. And the one that, that we're going to look at today is found in Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 to 35. So if you have a, a Bible or maybe you have a Bible app, you can go ahead and open that up by... I want to encourage you to, to meet me there. If you don't have an app or a Bible with you, you can actually uh, download an app. Uh, the Bible app that is a great one is Version. I, I recommend that one, or Bible Gateway. Uh, the parable that Jesus is going to teach today is about forgiveness. Now, I don't know about you, but I love the subject of forgiveness just as long as I'm the one being forgiven, right? Right? I'm not such a big fan of it. If I'm the one who has to give it to you, if you don't deserve it, or if you don't say that you're sorry, like I don't really, I don't really want to give anyone who's hurt me uh, forgiveness. It's, uh, it's the unnatural thing to do. Anybody with me on that? Am I, am I alone? Yeah. Yeah, a few. Two people are honest. Thank you, Carter and Emma. <laughs> we just don't really want to do it a lot of times, do we? Maybe you have a really good reason. Maybe all of us can, 
probably think of somebody in our, in our lives right now that maybe we want our need to forgive, but we don't really want to forgive. Now, as we come to our, our passage today, Peter was a guy who followed after Jesus, and I think that, that he had someone in mind when he comes to Jesus on this day with this really uh, important question that he has. So look at verse 21. It says this, Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who has sinned against me? And then before Jesus can, can even answer Peter, Peter's question, Peter answered his own question. Don't you love talking to people like that, right? Je Jesus says this, seven times, or Peter says seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. 70 times seven. Now, I'm not great at math, but I think that's 490 times, right? Uh, now, as I said, I believe Peter has a face uh, of somebody in mind when he's talking about when he comes to Jesus with, with this question, right? How many times are we, are, do we, are we to forgive? You don't ask this question if, if you're not thinking about somebody, right? I mean, you don't ask this question if you don't have a, a situation in mind. So I believe Peter has that. Now, now we don't know who it was for Peter, uh, maybe it was his wife. Maybe it was uh, somebody in the group that, that he uh, hung out with. My guess was it, it was somebody that was standing right there in that, in that instance at that time. Maybe it was John. I don't know. John was another one of the disciples who followed after Jesus. If you read John's gospel, John always talks about himself in the, in the third person, right? Uh, maybe that was so annoying for Peter. It's like, I am John. I'm the disciple Jesus loved. I imagine that probably got under Peter's skin just a little bit. If you read John's gospel, he talks about how he and Peter were, were the first guys to discover the, the empty tomb. And, and I think he mentions three times that, that he outran Peter to the tomb, right? They were very competitive, I guess. And I wonder, is Peter upset with John about something? Maybe it was, maybe it was James. James was also vying for the seat of greatest honor next to, to Jesus. I don't know, but Peter, I think, has somebody in mind. And he says, how many times should I forgive? Seven? And that number was, was not random. See, the Pharisees taught you that when you forgive, you're to forgive somebody three times. That was the appropriate number of times that, that you should forgive. If they offended a fourth time, then you could let them have it. But three times, you had to forgive it. So here's what Peter's saying. You know, Peter goes to Jesus and said, Peter was actually taking that number that, that he knew, that number three that he should use to forgive somebody. He was doubling that, and then he was adding one to it to show Jesus how spiritual he was, okay? And Jesus, what he hits him with is totally something that, that Peter wouldn't have been expecting. Jesus says, no, forgive them 70 times seven. Forgive them 490 times in the same 24-hour period. And I think the look on Peter's face probably told Jesus that, that he wasn't going to get anywhere with him by, by continuing to talk about this. So Jesus says, let me tell you a story. And this is where the parable of the unforgiving servant came about. Let's look at it. Jesus says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king 
who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. Now, that transition doesn't, doesn't quite fully capture it there. The, the currency that they would have been talking about there was talents. It was called talents, all right? And Jesus mentions a number that is, is so astronomically high that there is no way that that, that servant could pay it back in, in a thousand lifetimes. In other words, if Jesus were telling the story today, he would have, he would have said that, that the, the servant owed a bazillion dollars, all right? He's trying to make a point that there's no possibility that, that he could ever pay it back. So it goes on, he says he couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master, and he begged him, please, be patient with me, and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him, and he released him, and he said, here, here, here's the word, he forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time, saying the exact same thing. Be patient with me, and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full, which means he'll, he'll never pay it, right? Because how can you pay it when you're in, in prison? When, when some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, you evil servant, I forgave you the, that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father will do to you. Yeah, that's what it says. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Aren't you glad you came to church today? <laughs> Do you find that Jesus there, what, what he said there at the end, shocking? I, I mean, and, and maybe if you're anything like me, you wish you could, could stop Jesus right then and say, whoa, 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 Jesus, stop, stop, hold on a minute. What exactly did he mean by that? Like, I need to clean my ears out, Jesus, because it seems to me that, that you just said that my salvation is dependent upon me forgiving other people. And I've been told my whole life that I've, I'm saved by grace through faith. And now you seem to suggest that, that God's not going to forgive me unless I forgive people who actually don't deserve it, by the way. And if you're feeling any of that tension, it's totally justifiable because I do too. So what is it that Jesus is saying and what is it that, that he's not saying? So I think, first of all, we need to start here. We need to start with this. Being hurt by others in this life is inevitable. Being hurt by others in this life is inevitable. Would you agree with that? Anybody, anybody, here, anybody here been hurt before? Yeah. Anybody online? Anybody watching through Facebook been hurt before? If so, give me a thumbs up. 
I think we, we've all been hurt. Ha have you been wounded by somebody? Offended by somebody? Cheated on? Lied to? Abused? Betrayed? We all have. And Jesus is acknowledging, it's subtle, but it's there in the story, that you and I are not getting through this life without some wounds and some offenses. It's not going to happen. And we need to recognize that and be honest about that and, and own up to the fact that those wounds and offenses are, are very, very real. And we don't want to dismiss them too quickly either in, in our lives or in the lives of those that, that we love. It kind of reminds me of that, that conversation that the great boxer Muhammad Ali had with an airline stewardess. Any of you remember hearing this? You probably do. Muhammad Ali, uh, he uh, boards an airplane and, and um, time comes to, to buckle up. He doesn't buckle up. And, and the stewardess very politely asked him to buckle his seatbelt. And he looked up at her and he said, Superman don't need no seatbelt. And she looked right back at him and said, Superman don't need no airplane. <laughs> buckle up. Can we just admit that we're not Superman? Can we all just admit that those wounds and offenses don't, don't bounce off of us? So maybe you had a, a mother or somebody who you could never please. Maybe you had a father or someone who really said mean things to you thinking he was motivating you, but it actually had the, the opposite effect. Maybe some of you grow, have grown children right now. Maybe some of you have grown children right now and they rejected everything or they've rejected everything that you've, you've taught them. And they think that your morals and your, your values are nonsense or that you're not who you say you are. And it's caused this rift that, that actually really, really hurts deeply. And you don't really know how to express it. Some may have coworkers and and neighbors, or maybe a, a best friend we used to do everything with, maybe. But something happened in that relationship, you can't even quite fully put your finger on it. Not sure what might have happened, and you grew distant and distant and more distant. And there's a wound that is there. And the older that we get, if we don't deal with, with these wounds in a, in a healthy way, then we end up bottling them up. And the contents of those emotional wounds come under pressure every time. So why don't, why don't we take care of them? What do we do with them? What do we do with those emotions that are, are under pressure? Well, Jesus comes along and he says that, that we need to forgive and it would be very, very easy to say, well, I don't like that very much. And maybe the reason why is because maybe some very well-meaning uh, well people put it to you this way. Maybe you sit down with a friend and, and maybe you told them about uh, the offenses and the wounds from other people that you were feeling and, and the way that you've been hurt. And he very lovingly or she very lovingly kind of looked back at you and, and meant it well, but it, it didn't help said, well, well, you just kind of need to get over it. You'll need to forgive them. 
And it didn't help, right? I mean, that's not what you were looking for. It, it didn't help. Actually, it maybe made it worse. Maybe some of you have heard sermons on forgiveness where, where the preacher just kind of stood up and said, you just need to forgive because... Jesus is not saying that you just need to get over it. He's not saying that it's not that big of a deal. Jesus is not saying that you need to grow thicker skin. It's not what he's saying. Pay attention to the story. Jesus acknowledges that forgiveness always has a cost associated with it. The servant in the story owed the, the king more than he could ever repay so the king could throw the servant in prison forever and the king was never going to get his debt repaid that way or the king could forgive this servant. But what ends up happening when he does that is that the king, uh, you know, he absorbs the expense of the debt. Forgiveness always has a cost associated with it. That's why Jesus went to a cross. Have you ever wondered that? Ever had somebody ask you the question, why did Jesus have to to go to the cross? Couldn't there have been another way? Why couldn't God just say, I, I forgive you and it all be done in the same way? In the same way, you can't. Because there's a debt there. There's an expense. There's something that has to, to be reconciled. And God says, you can't pay that debt back, so I'll, I'll send my son to pay that debt for you. Forgiveness always has a cost associated with it. And, and when we are hurt or offended by someone, the natural human response is what? What is it? What? Yell it out. Get even, right? Get even. Revenge. Can we say it out loud? It's okay to talk in church, all right? What's the natural human response when you've been hurt? I'm going to hurt you right back, right? Uh, the natural response is revenge, that's what it is. And that's why it feels so good. That's why it feels so right. Sometimes whenever I, I share with someone, I'm just really upset about maybe this other person, something that's happened. They're like, well, Rob, just get over it. You need to forgive, right? And I'm just like, would you please just let me have my daydream about this person having some uncontrollable diarrhea right now? Can you, just, can you just live with me in the moment? Can you just let me imagine me cleaning out the toilet bowl with, my, with their toothbrush? That's the natural human response. What's the unnatural response? Can I say this? What's the supernatural response? Because that's exactly the way to put it better. And it's to forgive. The supernatural response is to forgive. It's a supernatural response because it's going to require more power than you can give. It's going to require more of a decision than you can make on your, on your own. I want, you to, I want you to remember this. Maybe, maybe pull out your phone and take a picture of this screen. Um, take this application with you. Put the next slide up there. There will be a cost to granting someone else forgiveness. But there is a much larger cost 
to withholding it. I want you to remember that. Either write it down, take a picture, do something. There will be a cost to granting someone else forgiveness. But there's a much larger cost to withholding it. It's got to go somewhere. And so, yes, there will be a cost if you grant forgiveness to somebody who, who doesn't deserve it. They don't, they don't think they need it. They don't, uh, they don't even ask for it. But don't fool yourself into thinking that there isn't a, a cost if you withhold it. In fact, the cost is actually greater. And guess who pays for it? You do. Either way. The Stanford Forgiveness Research Project found these results. They said this, the, through the act of forgiveness, though the act of forgiveness may not come uh, naturally to us, research has shown that, that learning to forgive, and I find it interesting that, that they said that because it's an unnatural thing to do. You have to, you have to learn to do it, right? I mean, I've got kids, those of you who have kids, little kids. None of them came into the world knowing naturally how to forgive, right? They just didn't. What they naturally knew how to do was to hit their brother and sister over the head with the toy. I mean, that's what they naturally knew how to do, what is right. So when we learn to forgive, their, the research project says this, it lessens the amount of hurt, anger, stress, and depression people experience. People who learn to forgive also become more hopeful, optimistic, and compassionate. Forgiveness also has physical health benefits. The research found out people who learn to forgive report significantly fewer symptoms of stress, such as backache, muscle tension, dizziness, headaches, and upset stomachs. In addition, people report improvement in appetite, sleep patterns, energy, and general well-being. The, <coughs> excuse me. the Mayo Clinic says something very similar. They say this, forgiveness can lead to a healthier relationship, greater spiritual and psychological well-being, less anxiety, less stress, less hostility, lower blood pressure, fewer symptoms of depression, and even a lower risk of alcohol and substance abuse. Jesus said the same thing 2,000 years ago. He said, listen, you need to forgive. Not because they deserve it, it really has actually nothing to do with the other person, but it has everything to do with your emotional and spiritual health and your well-being. Now, some of you may be thinking, nope. <laughs> nope, I don't want to forgive. You don't know what this person's done to me. Nope, I'm not doing it, right? Now, if I were to sit down with you one-on-one -on -one and say, hey, is, for, is forgiveness a good thing? Do you think forgiveness is a good thing? Should, should we forgive somebody? I, I think that every single one of us would say yes. Right? Yeah, it's a good thing. Yeah, we should do it. Not easy, but we know we should be for, forgive. So, so are you going to forgive? Nope, I'm not doing it. So how do we forgive? Well, let me just kind of consider a couple things. First of all, I think we should consider this. Forgiveness is not amnesia. Forgiveness is not amnesia. Forgiveness doesn't mean that you forget about the offense or the wound doesn't mean you forget all about it. And I'm afraid that maybe some of us had well-meaning Christians or a well-meaning person in our life that at some point or another has come up to us or told us that we're talking about how we've been hurt. And he says something like this. Have you ever had somebody say this to you? Well, well, you just need to forgive and forget. 
Just forgive it and forget it. That's all you got to do. Just forgive it and forget it. Right? And you don't want to, right? Have any of you ever heard somebody say this? Well, well, God forgives and forgets. God forgives and forgets, and that sounds really nice. Here's the problem with the statement forgive and forget. Are you ready for it? It's not in the Bible. Some of us thought it was. About the closest thing we have to it in Scripture is, is found in Isaiah chapter 43, verse 25. And it says this, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. But that's not the same thing as, as he forgets, all right? God did not just slip one day and, and hit his head, and all of a sudden he, he forgot your college years, okay? Just didn't happen. God doesn't like, uh, like uh, all of a sudden suffer from old age and say, I, I don't, can't recall all the ways that you've offended me before. No, what, what God does is something much better. You see, he remembers. He just chooses not to hold it over us anymore. He absorbed the debt. He absorbed the expense himself. So he, when we ask for forgiveness, God doesn't hold it over us anymore. Psalm 103, 12 says that God separates our sins as far as the east is from the West. But that doesn't mean that he forgets it. it. Just means that he doesn't hold it over us anymore. Anybody with me on that? It's really quiet in here today. <laughs> so, so when Jesus says that you should forgive as I have forgiven you, that doesn't mean that you sweep it under the rug and act like nothing happened. It's it's all okay with me. It's, it's no big deal. It, that'd be an unhealthy way of, of dealing with it, right? No, you actually say to this other person, I'm very aware of, of what you did to hurt me and what you did really hurt me, and I, and I just choose not to hold it against you anymore. I forgive you. I'm not going to hold it against you. I choose to no longer harbor my bitterness. I choose to no longer uh, I'll marinate in it, right? I, I choose to to let it go, not to hold it against you anymore because I'm realizing that, that that's just hurting me by, by holding on to it. See, forgiveness is a decision that we make long before it's a feeling that we feel. If you're waiting for the feeling to come before you forgive, then you'll be waiting forever. Here's the other thing that I want you to consider Forgiveness doesn't mean that you don't establish healthy boundaries with the person who hurts you. I think this is where, for many of us, we don't exactly know how to create those healthy boundaries with people. See, forgiveness is, is not the same thing as, as I trust you. It's not the same thing as I trust you. So when you say, I forgive you, that doesn't mean that you are saying, I trust you. And if you're the one being forgiven, you should, you should not take that for granted. 
You should not hear the other person say that, that they trust you. Here's what happens, I'm afraid. In marriages and in friendships and, and maybe with family members or coworkers or whomever, there's an offense, there's a rift in the relationship, there's a, there's a rupture there somewhere, and you say, you know what? I know I need to forgive. I'm just going to have to swallow the expense of this, and I'm just going to need to, to forgive for the sake of reconciliation and joy and kindness and all that, so I forgive you. And the other person goes, sweet, when can I move back in? And if you're, you're like, wait a second, we just went from neutral to 100 miles an hour. I don't trust you yet. I think what happens is we, we don't know how to communicate that or establish some, some healthy boundaries there. Yes, I forgive you. Yes, I'm not going to hold that against you. But let's slow down a minute. Let's take it step by step. So what happens is we create this barrier because we don't know how to create healthy boundaries. Forgiveness does not mean I trust you. What forgiveness means is this. I will let go of the hurt. Forgiveness means I'm going to give up my desire to get even with you. Forgiveness means when I'm speaking to others about you. I'm not going to spin it, share it, or spread it in a way that, that makes you look bad to other people. I'm going to let go of the hurt. I, I'm, I, I'm not going to plan revenge. I, I, I'm not try to make you look bad in, in front of other people. I'm just not going to do that. Here's what forgiveness is. And, and can, I, can I say it this way? Forgiveness is, I'm going to stay sweet. I'm going to stay sweet. Forgiveness is the opposite, or the opposite of sweet is bitter. I'm going to stay sweet. And so your heart We've already established that getting offended and wounded by others is inevitable in this life. And right now, whether you realize it or not, I'm fully convinced that either somebody watching online or somebody walked in here today, and maybe you didn't even know you needed to forgive somebody. Because maybe you've become so good at just being numb to your feelings. And you just kind of bottled it all up. Maybe you didn't even, like I said, realize you needed to forgive. It's bottled up and bottled up, and the contents are under a great amount of pressure. And that's why it's actually connected to some of the anxiety issues maybe that you have right now. It's what's connected to your lack of sleep right now. It's what's connected to some of your anger issues right now. So whether you realize it or not, you're growing sweeter and sweeter as you grow older, or you're growing more bitter and bitter. You're either growing sweeter and sweeter, or you're growing more bitter and bitter. Have you ever noticed that, that with the people you know who are in their life in the, in the twilight years, they're either the biggest sweethearts ever, right? Or they're not. And I think that something happens in midlife somewhere. You just either, you just go either bitterness or you go sweetness. It's one or the other. 
And you right now are either growing in sweetness or you're growing in bitterness. And the difference is your ability to forgive. The difference is the ability to extend to others what, what God has extended to you. And, and I think that, that maybe one of the, the clearest examples of someone staying sweet when he had every right to get bitter is, is Joseph from the Old Testament. Genesis chapter 45, maybe some of you know this story, you've, you've heard this story. I, I love the story of Joseph. Joseph is the youngest of all of his brothers and, and his dad's favorite, all right? The young of all, youngest of all of his brothers and his dad's favorite. I, I can relate to Joseph because I'm the youngest of all my siblings and I was my mom's favorite, okay? Joseph's dad gets him this really expensive, fancy coat, and Joseph starts having all these fancy dreams about how God is going to use him in a big way and how his brothers are going to actually serve him. And he very foolishly shares with his brothers and they start to resent him. So one day they're, they're out away from their father and, and they beat up their little brother. And they throw Joseph into a well. And at that particular point they realize that they had just crossed the line. So if they get him out of the well and they take him home, you, you know what's going to happen. Joseph's going to rat them out, right? He's going to go to dad and he's going to say, hey, here's what my brothers did to me. And they're going to be in some big, big trouble. And so uh, uh, instead of just owning it, his brothers, they, they make matters worse. And about that time, some Egyptians were walking by. And one of them suggested, hey, why don't we just sell Joseph as a slave to the Egyptians? Why don't we just sell him off? Let, let's not kill him. Let's just sell him into to slavery, into Egypt. And they go home and they tell their father that, that he, Joseph was eaten by a wild animal. It's horrible. It's a horrible story. And Joseph goes off to Egypt, and it's not like he's there for, for a weekend, and then his brothers have a change of heart, and they, they come and they get him, bring him home. No, his brothers leave him there. Knowing where he's at, you can just imagine Joseph, especially in those uh, uh, initial weeks and months, just sitting there waiting and waiting and waiting for his, his brothers to come and get him. Finally get some conviction in their life. Come rescue him, but they never do. So he's there, he's in Egypt, and he's, he's all by himself for, for decades. And I thought about that, and I, and I thought, man, that, that's a lot of time for Joseph to grow some bitterness, right? And he could have had every right to. Kind of reminds me of the, the superhero movies, you know, like the, the Avengers or whatever uh, is your favorite one. And always the enemy or the evil one. They, it, it, those movies, they go back in time and show how that, that evil person became evil, right? They weren't always that way, but something happened. They, they either got upset about something, they got hurt about something, somebody didn't listen to them, and they become bitter and bitter and bitter. And all of a sudden, they become this uh, superhero's nemesis. That could have been Joseph, but it's not. You see, in fact, years later, Joseph, because he stayed sweet and because he was obedient to God, God promoted him. And God used him in the, the midst of, of his crazy circumstances, and he began working for this guy named Pharaoh. And there was this famine that went across the land, and guess who comes to town looking for some help? <laughs> yeah, his brothers. And it's been so long that when they see him, they don't even recognize Joseph. 
And I love the description in Genesis 45, verses 1 through 5 of them being reunited. It says this, so, so he was alone with his brothers when he told them who he was. Then he broke down and wept because he'd been bottling up all of his emotions, all of his hurts, all of his wounds for all these years. The contents of his emotions were under pressure, and when he sees them, he just bursts out. He just weeps. And it goes on, it says, he wept so loudly the Egyptians could hear him. And word of it quickly carried to Pharaoh's palace. I am Joseph, he said to his brothers. Is my father still alive? But his brothers were speechless. They were stunned to realize that Joseph was standing there in front of them. I bet they were. I bet they messed their pants a little bit. I bet they were standing there like, oh my goodness, the skeletons are out. What in the world? Notice what Joseph said next. He says, please come closer. He could have said, get out of my sight. He could have said, uh, you come here wanting help from me? No way. Get out of here. He could have said something much worse than, I probably shouldn't stay right here in this place on this stage. And he said again, the scripture tells us, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you slowed into slavery. Now, he's not, he's not sweeping it under the rug. He, he didn't say, oh, no big deal, guys. It's okay. It's, a, it's all right. It's all fine. You had, a, you had a bad day. I get it. You know, I was being a little annoying. No, he says, you sold me into slavery in Egypt. But don't be upset, he says. And don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. Now, here it is. Get it, all right? It was God who sent me here ahead of you. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. That's amazing. Do you hear what he's saying? You see, Joseph stayed sweet for all those years. And he says, listen, I trust. I trust that God is bigger than the way that you've hurt me. I, I trust that God can actually fight my battles for me. I trust that God can work through my forgiveness more than my revenge. That's what Joseph is saying. That's what he's saying. Joseph stayed sweet all the way through. Jesus, our king, stayed sweet all the way through the cross. Think about that for a minute. Jesus, all he came to do was to, to uh, uh, heal people and love people and show them the way the, to life. And they crucified him. They said all kinds of untrue things about him. Anybody ever say anything untrue about you? And they, they tried him, illegally by the way, and they drove nails into his, his wrist and his feet. And in those moments at the cross, in his pain and in this physical pain, it was also emotional and spiritual because he cries out, my God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? You see, that's emotional. That's emotional pain. He's got that physical pain, that emotional pain. And Jesus could have gotten bitter in that moment. Don't you think? I would have. 
But Jesus stayed sweet, so sweet that he talks to God the Father about the people who, who nailed him there. And what does he say to God about them? Father, forgive them. I wouldn't have said that. I would have talked to God about the people who nailed me there, but I would have said, Father, throw the hammer down on these guys right now. All right? Wish they would ne- make them wish they were never born, God. Which is reason 101 why I, make, why I would make a really crummy Savior. What would prompt Jesus to say forgive them? He stayed sweet. Jesus was so sweet that in his moments of greatest pain and, and misery, he looks at this guilty thief hanging on a cross next to him, and the guy did not ask forgiveness. But Jesus gave it to him anyway. So easily, I might add. All the dude said was, hey, would you remember me when, when you come into paradise today? And Jesus looked at him with, with compassion, and he said, I'll do you one even better. Today you'll be with me in paradise. And can I just say that that kind of sweetness and grace is unreal? And that's the heart of our Father. And maybe there are some today that need to hear that right now because some of you, whether online or, or here this morning, maybe you're thinking, I, I don't know what I've done, or, or you don't know what I've done. God, God will never forgive me. I've just been a mess up, I, I've done all these things. and God's not going to forgive me for some of those things that I've done. Can I say that as easily and quickly and as sweetly as Jesus forgave that thief on a cross, he's willing to forgive you and he's willing to love you and he's willing to accept you. So we go back to the beginning of our passage. I think that, that Peter has someone on his mind when he needed to forgive, when he asked Jesus this question. I think the situation was fresh. Jesus, how many times do I need to forgive this this brother over here? Jesus, how many times do I need to forgive this brother over here because I'm about to lose my mind up in here? I think Peter was listening to a little bit too much DMX on his headphones maybe. You'll get that later. (laughs) Jesus says no, 70 times 7, 490 times to be exact. In the same 24-hour period. you got to start over. Every single day. What's Jesus saying? That there's a number associated with, meaning that, that you should forgive 490 times, and on the 91st, 491st time, you're like, boop, get out of here. Drop, kick them? No. That's not what Jesus is saying. Here's what Jesus is saying. Forgiveness isn't about keeping score. It's about losing count. Not about keeping score. It's about about losing count. Is anybody with me on that? I mean, forgiveness isn't about keeping score. It's about losing count, okay? That's what we're to do, and you will be offended. You will enter into a relationship and get honest and, and real, and you love somebody, you're going to get hurt. The only alternative to that is just to live life by yourself all the time. So you're going to have to forgive if you're going to keep a relationship alive. Some of us, what we do in our relationship is we keep lists, right? Mental, emotional lists. And anytime that person hurts us or or offends us, instead of believing the best about their, their motives, 
That's just one more strike against them. And Jesus is saying, listen, you got to get rid of the list. you gotta, you got to clear off the ledgers. Every time you have a conversation or interaction with somebody and somebody looks at you kind of weird and you can't walk away going, I don't understand why they gave me that look. I don't think I like that very much. You can just, every time you come away or you follow somebody on, on Instagram and you've got serious FOMO, fear of missing out. And you're like, whoa, I can't believe they didn't invite me to that. Really? There's a little mark. I'm going to get them back. They're, they're not coming to my party. We just nitpick at all our relationships. And, and, and Jesus says, we've got to stop keeping count. We've got to stop doing that. We've just got to let it go. And maybe you've heard all of this, and maybe it's a difficult message, and I, I get it. This is painful. This is emotional for, for some of us because we have a face in mind. We have a, a, a name in mind. Maybe we have multiple people in mind. There are people who have hurt me. There are people who have offended me and wounded me who I need to forgive, not for their sake, but for mine. See, when, when Jesus says that if you don't forgive, that your heavenly Father won't forgive you, listen to me, that's not a threat. That's a warning. It's a warning that your heart's getting bitter and more bitter and more bitter and harder and harder. And so, do you know that the Bible says that the only forgivable sin in the Scripture is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? What that practically means is that you become so bitter and, and, and so hard that you can't hear God's voice anymore. Sometimes God can't forgive you because you don't even think you need it anymore. You become so out of tune with the voice of God, so, so some of us today, we need to forgive. So what do you do with a message like this, right? Do you, you just go, well, nice message, great message, let's go to lunch. I think for some of us, we think that forgiveness kind of works Sort of like this, bottle of ketchup, the squeezable kind, right? Squeezable bottle of, of ketchup kind of works like that, the squeezable kind of forgiveness. What you hear me say is, well, you need to go up to that person in church who offended you, and you need to reach out to them, text them or call them. Hey, man, can we get together today? Can we get together soon? And you're going to sit down and they're going to go, you know, you, you really offended me. But you know, and you squirt it out like ketchup. Right? You squirt it all out. It's all going to go gushing out. You're going to spill it. And they're going to go, oh my goodness, I, I'm so sorry. I, I didn't realize that, that I, I hurt you that way. Or, or thank you so much. I, I feel really horrible about that. And hey, let's be friends again. It just gushes out. And that would be awesome if it worked that way. And I'm not saying that it can't. There might be some instances, some relationships in your life when you just have the, the squeezable kind of forgiveness. And it's not all that difficult. It's great because it gets resolved really, really quickly. But something tells me that actually forgiveness works more like this. The old glass bottle of ketchup. 
Hey, you know, it's almost, it's very hard to find a glass bottle of ketchup in a store anymore. I looked. I was going to have these props up here, but since I couldn't find the glass one, I just didn't do it. I just put pictures up. You can't find them. But something tells me that forgiveness works more like this old glass bottle of ketchup. Any of you, any of you remember these? I'm sure most of you uh, do, yeah? Growing up, man, this, this was the way that I got ketchup on my burger and fries, right? And it required you to, to break a sweat, okay? You could get the, if, if you could get the cap open, then, then what happens, it's a, it's a glass bottle, right? The contents are under an immense pressure. So you, have to, you, you turn it upside down, that, that ketchup isn't coming out. Some of you know what I'm talking about. That ketchup just sits there, so you'd be like shaking it hard, right? Shaking it all over the place, shaking it hard. You're banging it on the table, trying to, trying to loosen it up. I don't know if any of you were like this, but I'd take a knife and I'd start stabbing that thing, right? I'd start stabbing it. Then all of a sudden, what happens? Ketchup starts flowing out, ruining the burger. It's all over the fries. And you're like, oh, man. The 80s were great. Some of you are really missing out, all right? So many times I, I think we go, okay, I'll, I'll forgive. I'll sit down, I'll reach out, and you open up that cap off that bottle and nothing happens. They look back at you and they're like, I don't know what you're talking about. I, I don't really think that I needed it, this forgiveness that you're talking about, or, or they don't want to own up to, to what it is that, that they've done. Or you say that you forgive, but you don't feel the emotions come and it just, it just feels stuck. So what happens? You put the cap on. And you go, I'm not doing that again. And you just get a little bit harder and harder. And here's what I think forgiveness is. Here's what I think Jesus is asking us to do. Because there's a, there, there's a supernatural element to this that we, we don't uh, want to underestimate. All he is saying is, get open. Take the cap off. Get open. Would you just get open to say what only I can do in your life? See, the, the makers of Heinz 57 glass bottle realized that they had a problem on their hands because fine restaurants would not carry their product because they couldn't have people stabbing bottles of ketchup in their fine restaurants, right? So what they did, if, if you've ever heard any of this, everybody put that picture back up of the glass bottle. Anybody ever see the, the Heinz 57 label up there at the top? I don't know if you've ever noticed that or not. Maybe you've heard this about this, but uh, they put that sticker on there. And they designed the bottle in such a way that you, you take the cap off, you, you tip it upside down, you place your finger on that sticker where the, where the 57 is. And all you got to do is just tap on it. Yeah, I wish I'd have known that back in the 80s. All you got to do is tap on it and gently and consistently tapping on after just a few moments of that it releases the contents of of all that pressure see i believe that's where what forgiveness is because you just get open you see you turn your you turn it upside down and and you just happen you're in prayer and with a desire to stay sweet you just begin to tap Holy Spirit, come, do, 
Do only what you can do. Hey, listen, I don't feel like doing this, but I, I'm going to do it for the sake of the relationship, for the sake of, of my joy, for the sake of sweetness, for the sake of, uh, of reconciliation, for the sake of my spiritual well-being, for the sake of my emotional health. I'm just going to keep tapping. I'm going to keep tapping, and it may come slow. It, it, it may come quickly. It might come today. It might come tomorrow. But you, can, but you just say, God, I'm going to trust that you are bigger than the way that I've been hurt. God, I'm going to trust that you can work in ways that are bigger than my revenge. I'm going to trust, God, that, that you're asking me uh, to, to let this forgiveness go, that you're going to work through my forgiveness, that when I try to seek others to get even, instead you're going to come through. Here's the thing. I believe that God wants to use our church in a significant way to reach out to our town and surrounding communities. I'm not doing this with my life just to come to church every Sunday, preach a message every Sunday. I'm doing this with my life because I want it to be a part of a movement of God that's going to change some things. I really do. I want God to move in this town. And I don't, I don't want us to stay asleep at the wheel. I don't want us to, to just go through the motions. I really believe that Jesus is the hope for the world. And he chooses and he's chosen us to actually take that message to others. I really believe it. Here's the thing that I think will hold us back. We will not be nearly as effective in our mission if we're still holding a grudge with one another. For some of you, it's the, maybe the person sitting next to you. For some of you, it's somebody in this room maybe. You can see him or her. For some of you, maybe it's, it's me or an elder or Sabrina. I'm not going to tell her you laughed about that. <laughs> For some of you, maybe it's somebody you go to work with. Whoever it is, a family member, maybe. And they're like, there's this junk just bottled up inside of you. And God says, I need my people to be soft enough and sweet enough for me to work. I think there are a lot of churches out there that are really good churches. And they really love Jesus. And they really know all of the things that they should do, but, but God isn't doing anything through them because their hearts are hard because they just won't forgive. Will you say, God, I'm, I'm willing to get open? I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm willing to get open to to letting them in again, to talking to them again. God, I'm willing to get open to reconciliation again. And God, I'm willing to hang out with them again. God, I'm willing to, to even maybe have a meal with them again. God, I'm willing to get open. I'm willing to, to share. I'm just going to tap away by being obedient and choosing to stay sweet every single day and praying that, that, God, your spirit will come trusting 
that you will release all these contents that are under pressure. Folks, we've been wounded. We've been hurt. We've been offended by people. And more is coming. It's not over. And right now, today, may we draw a line in the sand and say, today is the day that, that I will no longer continue to grow in bitterness. But instead, I'm going to stay sweet. I'm going to stay sweet and let, let God do only what God can do. There's people in my life who have hurt me. And for a long period of time, I was, it was hard to forgive them. And I didn't forgive them. And I found myself becoming bitter and more bitter and more bitter. Anytime I'd hear that name or anytime I'd hear something that person did or anytime I'd, I'd see them, I was just full of this anger and it all came back to things that happened and I had to learn to let that go because it wasn't healthy for me. There's probably somebody that needs to be forgiven. Maybe you need to be forgiven for something. Sometimes we do something to somebody and we don't even know that we've offended them, right? Until they come to us and let us know. And, and that's when we have that squeezable type and we say, I'm so, so sorry, I'm I want to make this right. But we all have offended Jesus. We've all done things that have offended him. And today we have an opportunity to say, God, I'm, I need forgiveness. <laughs> Please forgive me for the things I've done against you. For those things where I didn't step up, where I wasn't who I was supposed to be. Maybe that's what you need to do today. Maybe you just need to come and, and ask God for forgiveness for something. Or maybe you want to, you've decided that this is the place where you want to come and, and make this your church home and you want to do work here and, and take God out there. Maybe you want to rededicate your life. Maybe you want to be rebaptized. Maybe you just want to share a, a testimony or something good from the week. That's what this time's for. So as we stand together, as the team leads us in our invitation song,